Welcome to Veterans Drinking Vodka production of Article 15. Here at Article 15, we are attempting to bring both awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. We speak to everyday veterans with everyday issues for vets acclimating back into civilian life. Today, we have Dr. Richard Socrates Wolf, who served in the United States Army uh, for various times from 1988, of course, before most of you were born, till 1992. You guys are probably still not born yet. Uh, he also kind of came out of retirement in uh, 2005, 2006, 2007. And uh, he uh, he exited out as a staff sergeant with uh, the counterintelligence. I know that sounds kind of funny in the Army, but they do have counterintelligence there. He is also a grandpa, possibly to more than he knows. So, Doc, welcome aboard, brother. Squid, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks for doing what you're doing, too. Oh man, please. This this is my therapy, brother. Uh so we've known each other for quite some time now. Hard to I'd believe say, years ago. Man, who who's kidding? He he was my philosophy. He's a stand-up philosopher. He's my philosophy professor from the local community college. We'll give a quick shout out to the Moraine Valley. There I love go. my alma mater, man. Big appreciate it. And one of the best things that you probably ever taught me was uh Coles. Yeah, Shep. You, you, the more you buy, the more you said, no, I'm just kidding. You, you told me and you told the class that Socrates dies at Moraine Valley the same way Socrates dies at St. Xavier and IIT. And I thought that was pretty amazing. You said, because I teach them there too. And we were getting a world-class education at a fraction of what the idiots were paying. Absolutely. I thought that was amazing. Uh, so 1988, man. Yeah, young kid, uh, 22 years old. I initially started, I wanted to go in uh, Special Forces, so I'm over at Fort Bragg, or Fort uh, Benning, going through the training, and right before I go to jump school, blow my knee out. This is back when uh, a little of the rules were a little bit different back in the in the 80s. The Cold War is at its, at its height. Reagan's in office. The Army's two, three times the size it is now. I ended up getting out, having to go back in, uh, medically get cleared to go back in and combat arms is out. Uh, so a guy comes says, uh, Hey, do you ever think of counterintelligence? I had no idea what counterintelligence was. I never heard of it. And I, go, <laughs> I was working on the intelligence for the first part. I go, what do you guys got to do? He says, well, you scored pretty high. He says, uh, here's what, here's what happens. Here's what they do. And I said, well, that looks pretty cool. I says, where am I going? And he says, well, anywhere you want to go. And of course, at the time, uh, Germany was the big spot and uh, we were up against the KGB. So at 22 years old, I go in, I uh, spend about a year getting a credentialed as a special agent. And my first assignment is uh, undercover against the KGB officer at the uh, SALT II Treaty uh, uh, with uh, the original President uh, Bush in uh, in Europe. So a uh, very interesting start to my career. I would I would have to say so. This is a little bit of a shock for me too, folks. Yeah, this this is definitely going to be a very interesting podcast. No, we, w- we won't dive too much into it. This is not a podcast about people's military careers. This is more how we are exiting out and how we are coping with some of the issues that we are coming across in a healthy, I have to specify, healthy manner. I hope that is coffee that's in your cup. I know that it's coffee in my cup. Although we are a veterans drinking vodka production, 
<laughs> we we are trying to deal with these matters in a healthy manner. Amen. Uh, there was a huge gap here from 92 to 2005. What were we doing? We were no longer doing that cool, hot 007. Yeah, I got, I got out. I worked undercover investigations for insurance companies and uh, did that for a number of years and was also working on my master's and uh, PhD. Uh, never thinking I was going to get into education. I really just wanted to do it for myself. Uh, got hired by a major insurance company to uh, conduct and supervise undercover investigations for them all over the all over the world. And was quite happy, was living the dream, had a great corporate job, a uh, nice mm-hmm. little house, the kids, everything was good. The 2.5 kids, the grill, the little fence, had the Dodge Caravan. That'll tell you how old I am. Uh, I'm still yeah. driving one. Back <laughs> off. I you know still have mine. It's a 2007. Really so anybody who follows my TikTok videos, whenever you see me driving... Listen. With the, with the drop cloth ceiling that's still not holding up very well. That would be but my it, 2007 Dodge I was Caravan. so pathetic. I had the Griswold version with the wood paneling, you know, <laughs> that great wood paneling, whatever well, fake crap that was. It's great because I'm upgrading from the 2007 to the 2008. My father-in-law <laughs> just told me 2008. Well, so. I, that's what I was doing between the gap and then a, a job opening came open at uh, Moraine Valley and uh, I applied for it. Real long story there. But anyway, I, I ended up getting the job. And when they put the contract in front of me, it was exactly half of what I was making currently. I had two little kids at the time. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I really wanted the job. I mean, professorships don't come along that that often, especially in the philosophy department. There's usually only one or two uh, of those idiots around in any college or university. So uh, I ended up taking it. Of course, that meant I had to take a second job to, to make that income uh, difference. And uh, so I ended up doing, doing that until, uh, I don't know, for about almost 15 years. Took a little break there between 205 and 207 to uh, to go help out in Iraq. They were short of senior agents at the time. Uh, a lot of us old farts were out of the service by then. Um, there was a big need, obviously, in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. Very, very short on senior agents. So I went and uh, took a four-man team into Iraq. And that's how I got back in in, in that short time there. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, we had a uh, another contractor that came. And he was he's actually, uh, that's the podcast that's dropping today. Uh, my buddy, uh, Dr. Alex Thompson, he's a doctor now, he wasn't then, but Alex Thompson, he was a linguist because uh, he wound up getting his doctorate in Arabic. Yeah, And yeah. So he was huge around Fallujah time. He he actually was out there. He was telling us that he was out there and he's a U.S. Navy veteran. So that was the whole reason that he wound up getting with the military. But he had just gotten out before 9-11 hit. And he was already in college and he's like, I'm going to stay doing this, but I want to learn more about this Middle East thing. What is that? Is that by Chicago or where this mid is that Midwest, Mid East? Where, where's this at? <laughs> so all of a sudden the United States figured out there's a whole nother part of the world as we found. Yeah. So he wound up diving in like deep, deep into it. He was going to the meetings between the elders and, and the hires. I mean, there was one meeting that he was pulled away from. And it was bombed and it was a lot of people killed, a lot of higher ups army, a lot of the elders from the villages. It was it was it was bad. Uh, so yeah. he he was dealing with that. So now that you're out and uh, I don't mean to call you out there, grandpa, you know, you did your philosophy thing. You're yeah. you're now 
coaching hockey again, which is really cool. You were just telling me about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm so proud of you at a really great school. We'll keep that one on the down low. I'm, I'm a Mount Carmel guy, so I'm not, I don't really want to praise the other school. Mount Carmel. I'll try to use small words. I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't, I didn't know. Good old am shit. I going, brown am I going too fast? <laughs> um, but as you were exiting out of the military yeah. and still, you know, kind of attached somewhat what kind of healthy tools or what have you done to try and deal with any type of issues you might've came across? That's a great, it's a great question. Um, let me just start answering that by saying this. When I got out, I had a, a, I led a four man team in Baghdad. Most of it was 0506. And if anybody was in Iraq in 0506, they know that was the worst part. It was the, the height of the civil war there. My team did about 70 combat missions and anybody who's done any kind of missions outside the wire, knows that when you get out and you adjust back to civilian life, if you think that you're not affected, you're mistaken. And of course, I was one of those guys. I came back on a Wednesday. I took two days off and I went right back to work. And I was going to be the John Wayne guy that, uh, you know, nothing, I'm fine. It's good. It took about one week for me to realize that unbeknownst to me, I, I was affected. Um, and it was a short little incident. Uh, I'm driving. It was in the middle of the day. I'm in suburbia, America. This is about 10, 11 o'clock in the afternoon. It's not rush hour. It's peaceful. I'm on this little road about 35 miles an hour. I'm going to get a cup of coffee. Life is good and it's easy. And there's this 90-year-old woman riding my tail. <laughs> I had literally just got out of, you know, combat situation. Again, anybody who's been over in the, in the sandbox knows that, you know, you got to watch out for vehicle, you know, IEDs, all this sort of thing. And if you're riding too close, you're probably going to get lit up. So you're, you're, yeah. you're heightened alert. I mean, so for 12 months, you're just on, you know, adrenaline and heightened alert and, you, you know, watching everything that moves. So, of course, you don't switch that off. I come off the plane and uh, this lady's riding my butt. Buddy, I, I, I went to instant rage behind the wheel. I mean, I bypassed goal. Mm -hmm. I bypassed everything. I went to instant rage and I, I'm ashamed to say it, but in my mind, I'm visualizing me getting out of the car, dragging her out and just pummeling her until I, you know, I, I was filled with that much rage. And I thought, holy cow. And I don't know where it came from. And it just came out of nowhere. And it was, somebody was in my, my battle space, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. we're back in we're back in real world here now, suburbia. There's no battle space anymore, Rick. There's no more, you know, but you, you just can't. So I, I, it was a lesson to me that, hey, if, if you think you're going to go 12 months of combat or six months of combat or five months of combat uh, and you're going to come out and you're not affected at all, you, you're you're a fool. So uh, I learned pretty quick that I, I, I needed to adapt. And, and short answer to your question is I think one of the things that saved me the most was getting back into routines. And uh, what I mean by that is I think anybody who's been in the military knows about routines. I mean, that's yes. the, that's the military, routine, routine, routine. But you know what? There's a lot of comfort in routines. Mm -hmm. And I think when you get out of a routine, that's where you sort of get isolated and alone and your world gets much smaller and you start to think, you know, that you're the only person that thinks this or has this. And so for me, the key was getting right back into my routines. Uh, getting back to interactions with people. And, and I would strongly suggest to anybody who's listening, listen, when you come back, if you're struggling, avoid isolation at all costs. 
you know, if you're if you're in a sports team, get back with the guys and, and do sports. If you're in a, a poker club, get back with that. If you go to church, get back with that. If you do a music thing, get back with that. But get back where there's interaction. Avoid that isolation because that isolation is is, is extremely dangerous. And, and you want to get back into your routines as, as quickly as you can. One of the one of the good things is I did go back to work right away, which helped tremendously. You know, I wasn't allowed to sit there and, and constantly think about uh, things and imagine things and create things in my mind. I got back into yeah. a routine. One of the one of the phrases of one of my buddies, uh, Moxie, he he has a saying that never go upstairs alone. Yeah. And yeah. mentally that that makes a lot of sense. It does. And, and when you sit there and you start evaluating your problems all by yourself, it's extremely dangerous. You know, the mind the mind is a very powerful thing. It will play it will play tricks on you. It will, you know, a lot of times you don't remember things correctly. It, it, it's amazing. I mean Law enforcement, they'll tell you one of the worst things is su- su- supposedly eyewitnesses. You know, your mind plays tricks oh, on God, you, your eyes plays tricks on you. And, you know, there. as I get older, there are times I'll have a conversation with my wife and I remember it. And in my mind, I'm 100% accurate that this is the way it happened. I'm completely wrong. But in my mind, I remember it that way. And I'm absolutely yeah. sure. So it's very dangerous to do that. So yeah, absolutely avoid that. Get with other people. And you know, I was fortunate enough to be with people that I could talk to, not necessarily about about the war issues, because I don't think anybody who's been in combat really like enjoys talking about that, uh, those stories and all of that thing. But it's just talking in general, and it could be talking about anything. You know, talking with your buddies about about anything can be very. Uh, it's like a catharsis, you know, which is it helps you just feel a sense of normalcy. That coupled with getting back into a routine where you where you find purpose. Routines help us find purpose. You know, they give us purpose. You know, you got to have a reason to get up in the morning. Otherwise, it's it's too easy for your mind to start playing tricks on you, and, and you fall into that depression. And it's a it, it's it's a quicksand. You know, for anybody, I don't care how strong you are. Yeah, you, you start playing that what if game and that what if gets very, very dangerous um, no matter which way you go with it. Uh, I always try and to get people and because I'm I'm not a professional or anything like that. And I know you're not that kind of doctor. I, I try and get any of my constituents or any veteran that I come across to or even active duty military, let them know that it's it's OK to go and talk to somebody about things. It's, it doesn't make you weak. Right. And that, that's my biggest pet peeve with, with the military as long, I mean, you were there, you know, you and Audie Murphy and all them were, were, were in the military and, and <laughs> that, that whole strong, silent type. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. it sounds great in theory and all that you're just kind of a battle through it. And, and those, Listen, and, and I, I look at it, they, they, it was kind of a different time. You also beat your wife, you beat your kids. And everybody was, said, you know what? They probably had it coming. It, it was a, a reason. <laughs> there was, there was a reason those world war two vets, many of them were alcoholics, you know, and, and this a is lot true. Of them, yeah. A lot of them were closet alcoholics because, you know, they went right back to work. They didn't talk about their feelings with anybody. The very next mood. day. Yeah. It was a different mindset. I, I mean, I can't, t- the number of stories of children, who, when they were older, when their World War II uh, dads passed away, the number of children who found medals buried in the underwear drawer 
that dad never talked about. They had no idea. Veteran after veteran after veteran. They kept all those stories inside. They kept all those what ifs inside. And um, they kept all those memories inside, good, bad, or indifferent. Not necessarily the way to go. You know, Uh, there's a difference between not wanting to talk about things in a braggadocious way versus being able to talk with, with somebody about, listen, you know, I just need to tell this story to somebody I trust. And like you mm-hmm. said, it doesn't have to be a, a, a certified person. I mean, it could be a buddy that you trust. I, I talked, when I came back, I talked to a guy that uh, was a hockey buddy of mine. You know, all he did was listen, you know, but that's all he needed to do. That's all he needed yeah. to do. He didn't need to offer advice and he didn't. He was smart enough to go, you know, that that he wasn't going to play shrink. He just, I just had to talk a little. That's all. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had a really good roommate over at Moraine Valley, whoever that the other doctor was that was in there. You guys were I, I couldn't I couldn't sit in the room. It was dying laughing so hard. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Zabib, great guy. You, you need somebody and, it, you know, to have somebody and it, it normally for me, it works a lot with the vets. And I, I've, I've probably said this in every single podcast. I will find a veteran. I will always find the veteran in the room. I will be at a wedding. I'm like, that's him. Or whatever, I'll wind up sitting on a plane. It drives my wife absolutely nuts because by the end of whatever event happened, I have a new best friend. We're hanging out all the time. We're going to talk. We're going to stand up in each other's next weddings because obviously our wives can't handle us anymore and (laughs) so on and so forth. Every time I find a veteran because there's a person who can understand that we will give that part of us that we will open up and be vulnerable, but at the same time, we still keep that little bit of dark humor that's there, just yeah. enough to let them know that like, we'll talk. We're good. We're good. all right. Hang on one second. Let me take a let me take a breather on this. We, you know, we kind of really struck a nerve, but I'm I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. But yeah. to to be able to, like you're saying to open up just a bit about it. If it doesn't have to be to the world, it doesn't have to be a braggadocious no. way. You don't have to put it up on Facebook or Instagram, yeah, no. but there's a, a private, an intimate setting. And sometimes spouses, they can't, they just don't want to hear about it no, or they no. just don't understand. And they don't, they're scared that they're, they're going to do something or say something incorrectly. That's going to make it worse. And here's another point. Here's another point. There's no time limit on this either. You know, if you haven't done it in, in one year that you've been back or six months or two weeks, listen, at any time you can just open up to a buddy, you know, it could be five years later. It could be two years later. It could be whenever, and it could be, it could be completely unplanned. You know, I think with mine, I was sitting, we were sitting at a cigar bar, me and my buddy. And, you know, he just asked a question and uh, it just felt good to, you know, talk. And, uh, you know, something as simple as that, as spontaneous and unplanned, please, guys out there, don't don't think that, uh, and gals, don't think there's a, uh, a time limit on this that, uh, you know, if, oh my gosh, if I haven't, you know, done something in six months, it's too late. It's not too late. It's never too late uh, to sit and talk about it. Um, again, avoid that isolation at all costs. Yeah, you're very right on that one, you know. Um... Like I, I was telling you, I started seeing a counselor. It wasn't until 2018. My last real boots on ground, because I was out in 2000. I wound up going back in 2016 with Marines. And don't ever, ever travel with Marines. If you have a chance, go ahead and pass on that. If the Air Force calls me and says, hey, we're going to go on a deployment. We'd like you to come. I'll be like, yeah, please sign me up. I would, Can I bring my I flip-flops vaca- or what? <laughs> I could use my vacation. Were you guys still doing the three-month deployments? Are we going to, are we going to Jordan? That's where we're going? Okay, right. cool. I'll go. I'll go. You guys got the defect down, right? Do I get my own card? Do I have to borrow one of your guys's? You know, 
but the real one was the last one when I left you because I left mid semester. By the way, I made the dean's list that time. I had three A's and one B. (laughs) I did. I thought I got in trouble. (laughs) I didn't know what a dean's list was. (laughs) But three A's, one B. Pretty proud of that one. But that was the last time you know I was in Iraq, and that was actually a pretty. It was a pretty crappy deployment for me. And uh, I was actually in a leadership, a little bit more of a leadership position that time. So obviously it sucked. And I didn't see somebody until 2018. So I was back 2012, you know, my daughter was born. And while I was gone in 2016, we found out we were pregnant with the twin boys. And now that I'm doing my new job as a police officer, it's, it's like stuff is starting to pile up. And luckily I'm able to go and see somebody. So doc, I know you touched on those kids that found their world war two, you know, veteran dads medals that were buried down deep into, you know, the top drawer or yep. in a chest, a foot locker that was in the basement. They wind up finding it years later. And they're like, what's up with these medals? What is, they don't know anything. They don't know how to read these DD two fourteens or whatever they had back then. They, it was like, I've seen some of that paperwork and it is, I, I can still read it because I, it's like translating Latin to Sanskrit or something like that. But it, it's like there, my, my mother's uncle, he married, uh, it's, it's a weird way to put it. So he married my mom's mom, my grandmother's sister. So that's how he, his name was uh, Gene Polajewski. And, and and that's what they, my grandfather and all of his brothers who were the loud, obnoxious, go figure, who, where, where do I get it from? But they were the loud, obnoxious guys from the neighborhood, old Canaryville, got to love it. And they would call him, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this one, but they called him the quiet Pollock. That's what, what yeah. he, they called him. That's who he was. Sure. He was the, he's, this man was so nice. He was a wonderful man. He drove my aunt Kate around wherever she wanted to go. And it was always, Jane, I want to go. Okay, Kate, let's go ahead, honey. Let's go. They never had kids, nothing like that. This man would take me fishing. He would take me out into the woods. He would, you know, this was a man who just peaceful. He wound up with full-blown dementia and he was over at Smith Village for a while. And even then, even then when people, he didn't know that my Aunt Kate had passed away. He thought the lady that had been taking care of him was his wife. He Then he wound up in Smith Village, and he didn't know what was going on there either. But whenever he saw me, he's like, oh, this is a good guy right here. That's a good guy. You're a good guy. I, I know a good guy. You're a good guy. And he would talk to me like I'm his military buddies. And even while that was all going on, he was confused and didn't know where he was. He was still a wonderful man. It turned out this man served with, 3rd Battalion, I think it is, 3rd Battalion, with Audie Murphy, dropped into Italy, dropped into Germany. He has a Purple Heart, a uh, Bronze Star, and I'm like, what? The quiet Polish kid? Are you serious? The one who used to do the comb over and put like, and shoe polish or whatever it was that he used to put in his hair to yeah. so that we didn't realize that he was bald? The, the, the very nice, quiet guy who taught me how to fish did what? Yeah. yeah. And it, it yeah. was unbelievable. And when his dementia started to kick in, he started to remember again. Mm. He started to remember being over there. And all this stuff, as you said, there was no timeline on this. There is no cure for PTSD. There is no stopping it. 
all you can do is learn to live with it. And by living, but what I mean by that is these counselors and these mental health professionals will give you tools to help you. If you were to get an arm chopped off or you lose your leg, you don't just say, well, there you go. That's it. It's done. No, they, they, you go through therapy, your physical therapy to, to relearn how to live a full life without whatever that appendage might be. What the, they, they do with these mental health professionals, what they do is the same exact thing. They give you these therapies and these tools to help you live your full life. So with me, as, as I've explained, I have this wonderful thing in my house. My son, he is a four-year-old boy. He is 100% four-year-old boy. Loves to jump off of shit. Loves to scream. Loves to slam stuff. Loves to play whatever, whenever all hours of the day and night <laughs> it's 3 30 in the morning and he does the gets right up in your face he gets he gets right <laughs> up in your face while you're sleeping and just hey dad <laughs> it's like what, what what are you doing <laughs> i want to play pokemon <laughs> like, go to bed oh man and then you hear the stomping through the through the hallway and everybody's awake now yeah, but yeah. it's it's having to learn with that type of person in my house. And I don't mean to make my son sound like a little dickhead, but he is. No, no. No, he's a wonderful kid. He, he has a heart of gold. It's real. He doesn't, real. he can't, he can't understand that. And I'm being given tools by my counselor to be able to like live that with that and be happy in this life. Yeah. And, and you know, what's I, great about those counselors that you mentioned, uh, uh, Ryan is like you said, they, they not only give you tools, but what makes them so good at what they do is it's not one cookie cutter approach. And, yes, and I sir. think this I think this might be some of the the uh, apprehension to go get counseling. Um, you know, you think you're just going to go in and it's a one size fits all approach. And it's not the great thing that these counselors do, especially the ones that, that have worked with vets for a number of years, is they mm -hmm. take those tools and they customize it to your particular yes. situation in your yes. family situation. And that's where the brilliance comes in. Look, at anybody can go on Google and, 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 okay, these are the 17 things you do. Oh, great. Okay. That's so generic and so plain, but it's always the go work out, meditate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eat more carrots and it'll all go away. You know, <laughs> and these people will listen to your situation. And I guarantee you that the tool that you're using with your particular situation with the kids and where you're at isn't going to be applicable to me, but they can take that tool and make it applicable to me. I'm at a different stage in my life. So I need a different set of tools. I need that tool to work differently. Uh, at 56 than I do with, you know, my kids are older now. I'm in a different stage in life. Doesn't mean all my memories have gone away though. But my yeah. point is what, what makes them great is that they can adapt these tools to your situation. And, and I think that's, so if anybody's out there and they're a little apprehensive about, listen, I Googled it. I know that I know what they're going to tell me already. Don't, don't make no. that assumption um, because yeah, the, the tools are out there and everybody can look yeah. at them, but what, what, what they're try. good at is adapting. Go, go, go help. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Doc, if you have just a nugget for somebody who's in the military now, transitioning out, just a golden egg, what would you tell them? I would tell them this. When you get out, as soon as you can get back into a routine in life, routines give us purpose and cause. Get back into a routine. 
The second thing I would say is absolutely don't be in isolation. If you find yourself sitting in that corner, drifting away from your wife, drifting away from your girlfriend, drifting away from from the people that you like, your coworkers, and kind of wanting to be, find yourself being wanting to be more and more alone. That's the key. Stop it at that point. That's your indicator that you need to talk to somebody. And again, it could be anybody. I think eventually, once you start talking to your friends and your buddies, you'll eventually go into to, to maybe a professional help. Maybe you don't need that. Maybe you just need to talk to somebody. But certainly, once you find yourself drifting into isolation, that's the key. That's your that's your red flag, so to speak. And uh, I know it's been said a million times. There is absolutely nothing wrong with talking with people. You know, nobody goes to war. Nobody serves. I know you're going to do segments later. Even if you didn't see combat, I said that's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. If you've been in the military, if you've been deployed somewhere, think about the small amount of number of people in our population who do that. Think about how mm-hmm. small that is. Yeah. So don't think that that you're going to go there and it's not going to affect you. You can't go and look, you can't go on a five-day vacation and come back and it didn't affect you. Let alone go away for four years or a year or two or six months or eight months and it not affect you. There's everything affects us differently. And 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 so get rid of that notion, that macho notion that it that it, that it didn't affect me. It affected you in some way, shape, or form. Every one of us is different every year. You know, I, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. I'm not the same person I was. We we go through different phases, different things. And so there's nothing wrong at any one point in time talking with somebody about your experiences. And, and again, there's no statute of limitations. There's no statute, it's never too late. It's never too late. That's right. Uh, just a couple of numbers for you out there. You know, everybody talks about this 22 veterans a day. The thing about that 22 is how diverse that group is. Yeah. One point, a veteran, a male veterans are 1.5 times more likely to commit suicide than people who didn't serve. And female veterans are two times more likely than uh, so, uh, people who've never served to commit suicide. So to my brothers and my sisters out there, yes. if you guys need somebody, please, you are welcome to reach out to me. Uh, I have Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. Doc stays away from all social media. Actually, social to, to begin with. People don't really uh, like to deal with him anymore. As it is. But I've become that guy. Get off my lawn. You know, that guy? I've, I've become that guy. He, he's gone from being uh, the guy from Blacklist to being the guy from Grand Torino. <laughs> it happens. I'm a few years shy of 60. I'm afraid to see what I'm like when I hit 60. Uh, I was about to say you look great for 72. But uh, anyways, <laughs> I digress. I greatly appreciate you being here, brother. You have been uh, a huge inspiration in my life and a, and a mentor to me, whether you know it or not. Uh, you mean a lot to me. Feelings uh, mutual. Feelings mutual, and I, I I can't say enough about what you're doing. Uh, it's exactly what we're what I what I talk about: finding purpose, giving back, paying it forward, whatever phrase you want to use. Uh, if we don't have purpose, if we don't have routine, we lose ourselves. 
And it can happen to people, whether they're in the military or out of the military, you see it all around us, you know, show me somebody who's lost and I'll show you somebody that, that doesn't know their purpose or hasn't found purpose in life. And if you found purpose and purpose is, listen, you serve others in some capacity, some way, shape or form, we're here to serve the other person. We all have gifts. We all have uh, abilities to give. It could be something simple. It doesn't have to be grandiose, but uh, find your purpose, find something, some way to give back. And you know what? That's what vets are great at because that's what a veteran is. I mean, think about it. The whole the whole reason you did it was for a greater cause for your country, mm-hmm. for your that's fellow it. guy to your left and to your right, to the girl to your left and to your right in that foxhole. So that's, you know, if anybody knows service and giving, it's us. Yes, sir. And don't forget, since this is dropping on a Friday, we're rocking the red. We always wear red on Friday because we remember everyone deployed to our brothers and sisters that are downrange. We have not forgotten about you. We are praying for you and we are thinking about you until we all return home. Stay safe and keep your head on a swivel. Thank you again, Doc, for joining us. Remember, take care of that soul, brother. You too. Work on that soul, brother. All right. You have a good one.